episode 83, Innovative Strategist Mindset. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we are Shane Fresco's perspective. Join 2017 Podcast Awards nominated host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, as he gets a rarely seen look into the specialties of all types of doctors and guests, plus marketing, travel tips, struggles, goals, and relationship advice. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. What's going on? Hey, welcome back to the show. Birthday month for me. Watch out. Look, today's guest is pretty darn good. Midway, halfway through the program, we'll talk about his early beginnings of entrepreneurship and how to train your kid to potentially become an entrepreneur and how to encourage them and the things that they are naturally inclined to like. But the reason why we got him on is because he is a higher level strategy guy. You know, his companies can definitely help you with marketing and download PDF and how to follow up and all that kind of stuff. But part of it, what you have to learn first is what, what's your goal? What's the high level? And he is very good at that through lots of different uh, business startups. And I think you will definitely learn something today. For instance, things like the awareness cycle and the buying cycle. What are the differences? How do you change your marketing plan for that? If you're losing patients on the back end after paying to get them in, that's a problem as well. And, and what's an innovator mindset? All of this will be answered. Check out the show notes page at doctorsperspective.net slash 83. Stay tuned to the end of the episode for the ads. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China and Central Florida, today's guest is a business strategist who's launched over 100 businesses I'm telling you, it's taken decades, but this guy has done it all from being a, uh, a chef to an audio engineer to learning it from the, from the ground up. He had to learn how to market because you just can't have that kind of business without it. He's got three current businesses right now. One's called Social Loco. It's for local businesses. We got Funnel Cakes because, you know, funnels are so popular right now. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> We need help setting those up. He's a guy that can do that for you. And Incufire, which is when you have an idea for a business, but you're like, I really, I'm not sure what else, what's the next step or how to really get it off the ground. Or if you already have a, a started business, you're seeing some sales, et cetera, you need to expand it. This guy can do it all for you. His name is Shane Frisco. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. That was a great introduction. If you're looking for a sales position, I could definitely use somebody like yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what's going on? Oh, man. You know, as doctors, you know, audiences, chiropractors, physical therapists, dentists, eye doctors, everybody who's we're, – we're, we're solo usually or we have maybe one person that's sort of we delegated to, but normally it falls back into our lap. We don't know what we're right. doing sometimes. And your name popped up on a, on a server of chiropractors that says, hey, who, sure. who knows how to do some email marketing? And, yeah. and your name popped up, and I was like, oh, I need to talk to this guy. At least, if no other reason, old Justin here definitely uh, is trying yeah. to figure out, like, how do you do this better? Right. Um, I mean, we know we got to get a good headline. Yeah. We, we know that. Top five this, ways not to screw up that. Right. But once it's opened, it's, sometimes we do it for entertainment, but I think a lot of people, we, we want to be engaging but really, we need to get it down to a sale. We want people yeah. to come in. We want to. We don't just want to discount. You know, buy one pair of glasses and get one free. That's not so much right. the emails that we want. So today, with everything that you know, especially with funnels and everything, I'm just trying to pick your brain a little bit. What's some good strategies and things like that to um, 
to move along in our in our patient acquisition and to drive patients through the ladder to get more value from them. But um, but but to start, let's just you know, what do you consider your specialty and, and your your background, and what made you want to become the guy that does this more for a living versus you know a more normal job, if you will. <laughs> mm. Well, you know, like 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 we. Like you mentioned, uh, it was really born out of necessity. Um, I, I, you know, I never really woke up one day and say, "Hey, I want to do this," or read a book, or take a course. And you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't learn it in school. Um, I, I've taught it in schools, but it was, it was really just decades of learning through necessity. I had my own businesses. Um, I started very early on in entrepreneurship. I started my first business when I was 12 years old, um, and it was really just a way to make money during the summer, but it did really well. I, I, I figured by, a couple of years later, I said, I'm going to do this for real, and uh, I opened up a retail store. I was 15 at that time. It didn't do well, um, but I, I learned from it. I, I, I regrouped. About a year later, I opened up another one, and that one did do well. Uh, by the time I was in my early 20s, I was running five different uh, businesses successfully. And then, um, but what I realized was that I was great at sales, but my marketing skills were, were really deficient. So I went to the library and I bought, I, I, I leased out, you know, stacks of marketing books because that's all there was back in the 80s, <laughs> early 90s, right? Dan Kennedy um, or something. <laughs> I don't know what I was reading, but I read through it. And no, this is before online marketing. So those guys oh, weren't, you know, they weren't even on the radar yet. We didn't have World Wide Web back then. And so it was a lot of, you know, graphic design. That's what market marketing was. It was flyers. You know, it was just really, it was billboards and radio advertisement. And it was either really expensive or really ineffective, you know, and there was no in-between. Um, I love how the internet has really leveled the playing field and and made everybody uh, gave gave everybody the ability to have a voice to make an impact to 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 get a new client prospect or patient um, and and to keep them and you touched on a lot of things really briefly about you know really keeping them engaged um, and keep them coming back and and not just throwing offers at them. That's really most people's approach with advertising is that shotgun approach like you're watching television and somebody says, hey, buy one pair of you know prescription eyeglasses, get the second pair free. And um, that's great for everybody who happens to be in front of the television at that moment and is in the market for eyeglasses, right? Um, oh, most people aren't. You know, They're not in market. Um, they're not looking for that, but you're, you're going to pay for that reach anyway. You're going to pay to reach tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who don't care. You know, you buy a billboard on the side of the road. You're paying for the number of cars that are driving by, regardless of whether or not they care about what you're, what's on your sign. Internet marketing specifically really allows us to get laser focused on who it is that we're trying to reach out to. Um, and if we, if we have a good understanding of who that person is, um, and we know what they're looking for. We know what's going on inside their head. We know what's driving them. We know what their pain point is. And, and when we're talking about you know the, the medical field, we mean that literally sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, then, then what we need to do is present them um, the right offer at the right time. It's not about just sending arbitrary engagement type of emails. But it's walking that prospect or that patient through a journey that's going to eventually lead with the right offer for them. So to start with, audience segmentation is critical because um, not everybody needs the same thing. 
Uh, not everybody wants the same thing. Not everybody knows the same thing. So people are in different stages of an awareness cycle, and they're also in different stages of a buying cycle. And if you can segment that out effectively, then your, your conversions are going to increase dramatically. I mean, oh, well over in the hundreds of percentile. So is that what you just said? I mean, I've, I've done my own reading, like you said. Like, that's a lot of work, but not necessarily in a bad way. But sometimes if we have MailChimp or AWeber or something like that, mm-hmm. segmenting can be a beast mm-hmm. where a Fusionsoft can just be overwhelming, too confusing, and then you're hyper-segmented and then you're like, I don't have time to write I know. emails. You know, a four-series a four series email for 20 different – for back pain, for neck pain. for exactly. They were a patient, but they didn't really commit to care. This person committed to care, and now they're in the maintenance mode. And there's all these different – because the stories, I, would, I guess you would tell in the emails to get you to the next stage yeah. are going to be different. Is that correct? And that is, that is correct, and that's, that's why we exist. I mean that's how we were born because like you said at the beginning, it all kind of falls back on our lap. I believe that you should have a good understanding so that you can manage and delegate your projects. But I firmly believe that somebody who enters into healthcare does so because they're good at it and because they're passionate about it. I believe that everybody should stick to what they know and do better than anybody else and leave the rest of, of, of the details to those who excel in those areas. You don't have time. So you need somebody that does and that can specialize that and not just write the content. It's not about timing. It's about writing the right content in the right way. Um, it's about strategically positioning you in front of the people who are most interested in the service that you provide, ideally at the precise moment that they're, they're, they're going to take action on some sort of offer. You know, and it's, and it's very difficult to predict what that's going to be. You learn that through experience over time and by, you know, looking at the, the metrics, you know, uh, looking at the data, seeing what your conversions are, running these types of campaigns for various different um, categories nationwide is what we start with, is what we rely on. Then we look at, you know, we do a full competitive analysis. We look at what's, uh, what's working for the guy down the street and most importantly, or just as importantly, what's not, you know. And, uh, and so starting from that position and customizing it, custom tailoring it to the client um, and who their target market is, whether it's people who need a bit of an education before they come in because they don't understand why they might need, say, chiropractic care versus somebody who's new to the area and has been using a chiropractor for regular maintenance for the last 10 years. And they're just looking for, they're looking for a new doctor and they're, they're ready to buy today. They just don't know where to go. They don't know the area. So people fall within those various ranges of that spectrum. And, um, and to be able to get laser focused on each one of those categories with the right message in the right way, maybe even if it is starting with a template that was written for somebody else that we had good results for, um, it, it's not necessarily – it doesn't have to be as time-consuming and it doesn't have to be cost-prohibitive uh, in order to do it the right way. Will it cost more to contract it out than to do it in-house? Um, in most cases, yes. But if you get a 130% better return than if you were doing it yourself – who cares? Yeah. You know, because if you're doing Google, if you're doing Facebook ads, like you said, that's going to be a different someone because you need to have, I think, more than one ad running. You need to have the one that's they're cold. They, they thought quacker practice. That's what they thought they, the, the word was. Yeah. So you have to convince them and educate them. And like you said, then there's the person that's like, no, I just I just moved to Chicago. Now what? 
Yeah, I need a new one. Yeah, so uh, and I don't know anybody. Right, so they're going to actually be keying in a search for chiropractic Chicago, right? And you want to make sure that you're going to be found, and not just found, but found in in the in the right way. So if somebody does a search for say um, something less popular, because Google's really competitive and super expensive, right? So chiropractic Chicago, that's that's a high ticket ad. You don't you don't want to you don't want to play in that space. It's not worth it. But if somebody asks Google a question, like what are the benefits of chiropractic care, and they happen to be in Chicago, then and you, and that's where you practice, then you want to make sure that your ad displays with the specific answer to their question, which says the benefits of chiropractic care. Click here to learn more. So of course they're going to click there. That's going to make your ad more relevant. Google's going to display it more because it's a question instead of a key phrase. Your cost per impression is going to be lower than if you're just chiropractic Chicago. So it's going to be a smaller segment of the audience, but it's going to be more efficient. And then when they click through, they're going to get a landing page that specifically addresses that the answer to that question and also engages them, entices them, and encourages them to take action. So the call to action for that particular sales page is extremely important as well. Give them what they need just to get them to the next phase, which may not be an appointment. It just might mean getting more information. Okay, so here's something I'm thinking. We've got the you know, long tail keyword kind of things with what you're talking about, benefits right. of profession. And I've heard sometimes you can have a completely different landing page just for that word just for headaches headache relief chicago and you have you know there's a web you know that's a lot of it's a lot of you know you got to pay somebody a lot because you might have a hundred keywords you're telling me i gotta have a hundred landing pages for that and my i would argue maybe this is my what you're saying is no just have a really good article on your your on your website about benefits of chiropractic a really good article and somewhere in that article you mention hey you know if you want to you can sign up for some kind of PDF that relates to that, or hey, you know, also here's an here's my information that's in there, you know, uh, a form or just your contact information. So if they've you're paying for the landing page, you know, we call it a landing page if you want. You're paying for that, you're getting the views, but if you don't have anything that's really branding you to call to action, you just wasted that opportunity. So you need to have both, even if you're just going to have like a generic, more of a generic page where a lot of keywords can be filtered into this one page. Is well, that kind of true? Yeah, that's it. Can be to an extent. Uh, I think both can be true in a way. Um, that's where the initial strategy comes into play, and I find that there really is no one size fits all solution as much as everybody wants there to be. So you know, okay. you're gonna you watch a webinar, and he's gonna and and the guy's gonna give you the secret. This is it. You know, if you're a doctor and you want, it's right here. No, it's not because I'll tell you the the message, the offer, the voicing. That works in Chicago is not the same as what works in Louisiana. It's it's geographic specific. It's uh, it's it's awareness level specific. It's buying cycle specific. As custom as you want to get, and you're right. It's to do ten different landing pages would be a lot of work, and I think you know ten would be overkill. I don't. It's not necessary. You need to figure out what is your specialty. You know, what do you, I mean? Is it headache? Is it you know? Let's pick one. Let's pick two. What do you want? Three, yeah. You know, let's make up your mind, and then let's let's do three landing pages. 
you know, and let's funnel traffic from various sources to each one of those three. So, yeah, if, if we have a Google ad that's running to a Google landing page and it's Google specific, you got to know that these people, that person's awareness level is higher than maybe somebody on Facebook who wasn't searching for you. Nobody goes to Facebook to search for a chiropractor or sit there and wait for a chiropractic ad to display to them randomly, right? Yeah. If you want, if you, if you need attention, you need it now, you're going to Google. So that message, that call to action should be a, a little more assertive in most cases. And then, you know, there's also retargeting too, which is a whole nother animal, obviously. Um, but right. then when you're talking about Facebook, it's just people casually socializing and watching cat videos. You really need to approach them in a more delicate sort of way. But occasionally you can run the same ad to the same, you know, from, from different sources to the same landing page. But it should be determined on a case-by-case basis, depending on the strategy to start with. And I think that is paramount. That's the key. The key is not in the landing page. It's not in the ad. It's not in the copy. It's the strategy that happens before all that occurs so that you can predict with a high level of accuracy what to expect based on your efforts, the time, your uh, your your ad spend, Um your marketing dollars should be an investment and they should offer a return. But most people think of marketing as a, just a necessary expense, you know, but it shouldn't be money out the window. It should be, um, it should be presented to you. If you're going to hire a marketer, it should be properly presented to you beforehand. It says, look, this is the strategy we're going to implement. And this is what we're expecting the results are going to be. And this is, and here's why. And then at that point, you know, you'll spend whatever as long as you believe that it's going to produce, you know, what they what they tell you. Yeah. Okay. So we're not just paying somebody a thousand dollars a month and we're not just putting two thousand in, in ad spend happenstance. Like that's just not the case. Like we're gonna have an entire strategy. That way every dollar is spent correctly. Like you said, if there's three things that you specialize in, that is what we're focusing on. It's not just generic Anybody come on in for a $29 exam and free extra? Yes. I like that. Yes. You, I like yes. That. You're, you're, you need a business and marketing strategy to begin with, and that's, that's really where, where I've learned to excel is in getting to the heart of what, of what your goals are very quickly and then working backwards from there to create a roadmap to get you there in the most efficient way possible. Something I've noticed, someone like yourself, you're kind of high le- you can be high level, which we need. And then we have, you might have people underneath you that we can do everything else for you. We give you the high level and then we actually can execute yeah. it. So when we're looking at, you know, people are on a budget. They might be just starting out or like, look, I don't have a lot of money to spend. Is there something where you could hire you, figure out what it is that you need to do, but then you're like, man, but I just can't afford the rest of your services because you're too good. And then find someone who's not <laughs> as good and kind of like lay out the, the bottom one there. Or is it better just to hire one person and uh, use them for, for everything? That way, you know, it's complete. I think you should, you should always have, if you're hiring an agency or a strategist, you should have you should be able to have an option to do it either way. Um, so that's what we offer. You know, we offer a low ticket starter package that helps establish our relationship with our client. If there is one to establish, if there's if there's not, the client gets to escape the relationship before we get to a deep right. Um, and so and so, and so do we. You know, if we don't feel like we're a good match, you know, like let's start. Let's start with coffee before we go get 
married. You know what I mean? So we start building a relationship slowly and expensively, no long-term commitments, no high ticket deals, right? Once, you know, you feel like you've gotten value, you being the client, whoever that is, uh, the client feels like, oh, I've got some value. Where do we go from here? What's the next step? If we wanted to continue to work with you, here's what we would say. This is, would be the next logical step. We move them to there. Um, they get a tremendous value out of that. All right, well, now what? So what we do is we we can present a strategy to a client. We can hand it to them and say, you know what? You can you do it yourself. Take it to somebody else. We don't care what you do with it. It's yours. And we do this for we, we do this for small local businesses. We do this for large companies as well. Um, we worked with some pretty sizable, pretty notable you know companies, and and we do enterprise level strategies um, to that end. Um, but we take those same formats, those same principles and methodologies and bring it down to the local level so that, you know, so that the local, the local doctor can have Fortune 500 strategies working for them without that kind of budget. Because it really is, it's the brain work behind what's happening. It's not necessarily like advertised during the Super Bowl kind of stuff, you know. So, right. so with that said, yes, we can hand it to them or they could, or they could say, well, what if I want you to do it all for us? Well, then we will. You know, we've got three different agencies that we can contract this strategy out to. But we always start with strategy first and foremost, because you need to know what you're getting into as a client and why this is, you know, being presented as something that that could be so effective for you in your business. Does that answer your question? It does, because, you know, I'm trying to make it sound like it's not just one big sales pitch for you, but at the same time, like, obviously, you're, you're here, you want to be able to get a benefit from it. And what I hear as well is, there's so many people on there. I can do your Facebook ads. I can do this. I can do this. And then they either have a price tag where you're just like, wow, that's a big commitment. Right. Or they don't even start. They start with let's just run this, this this coupon ad. And you're like, wait, you don't even really – you didn't even hear what I wanted to say. You don't even know that I want to have 16 clinics over the next 10 years. Or yes, I'm actually already super successful. I need to actually filter out these – jokers who just waste my time i need better quality patients to begin right, with right and that's so i'm super, here and you've got to talk to somebody who's strategy first that's so important i mean that's that that is the most critical so you got you got okay let's work backwards from the end goal we want to make a million dollars over the course of the next year okay we've established that so how does that break down on a monthly basis $100,000 a month. That puts us at 1.2. Um, okay, so that's that gives us some buffer. We've got $100,000 you want to make in a month. That breaks down to $25,000 a week. Um, so, you know, we're going to shoot for $5,000 per day. How do we increase our revenue over the course of, you know, at, at, at that rate, $5,000? What's the average lifetime value of, uh, of a patient? You know, let's suppose that's, uh, you know, $1,500. So we need approximately, you know, two new patients per day coming through the door. And uh, how do we get that? Well, obviously, you know, we, we need to we need to do something so that people who don't know we exist actually do. That's where marketing comes in. Marketing happens before the sale. It's that which allows your prospect or your future patient to know that you exist. So once we've established where are they? And we've strategically positioned ourselves in front of them so that they now know that you are. Well, what next? I mean, they're going to contact you um, to either to get more information or to schedule an appointment. Um, but are 100% of them going to show up if they schedule an appointment? No. No. 
And, um, and of the people who a- asked for additional information, they opted in to get a free download or to get a free report or to get access to something or whatever the case may be, depending on what stage of that awareness level they're at, how much education they need beforehand. Um, in other words, you know, how to avoid, uh, you know, a back injury this winter while you're shoveling snow. It could be anything. How many of them need to opt in before the pay, before the appointment does get scheduled? So let's suppose uh, if we need two new patients, let's assume that we need 10, 10 clicks uh, in order to, uh, to arrive at that. And maybe we'll get two, two new uh, appointments scheduled. Is there upsells involved? You know, can, we, can we increase the lifetime? value of that patient from 1500 to 2000 because that you know that's something to look at as well can we streamline the efficiency so that we could see more patients over the same period of time you know um that might be a beneficial worth worthwhile thing to look at um so we know we've got our numbers you know we need 10 new interests in order to get two new patients at a 20 percent ratio if we want to improve that could we could we increase that ratio to thirty or forty percent? Um, it's possible, and we can look at that. We need to start with some some really conservative numbers to begin with. We don't want to offer lofty promises to our clients. We want to look at this objectively. So, okay, how do we get ten new leads, and what's that going to cost us? You know, how many impressions is it going to take in order for us to get one click through? Is it going to be a hundred? That would be a 1% conversion rate. In our world, that would be not good numbers. That would be low numbers. So that's what we want to use in our hypothetical example, because I like to keep my projections conservative. So let's assume that we need a hundred clicks before somebody opts in, you know, and asks for more information or schedules an appointment. How much is a click going to cost us? Let's assume that the average click is costing us a buck. That means it's going to cost us $100 to get the click. We need 10 clicks in order to get the opt-in, to get the appointment scheduled. We need two appointments. You see what I'm saying? We're working backward, doing math, right? We don't have to guess anymore, okay? So anybody who truly knows what they're doing in this space only needs to know how to look at the data and make adjustments accordingly. If there's a hole in it, fix it, patch it up, and move on, okay? The investment should be investment. It should not be ad spend. It should be ad investment. You should know that your likelihood of success is all but guaranteed. And what you just made a comment to is you ha- the better you can get the landing page, the better uh, giveaway that you have, those numbers will increase to go from 1% to 12%. And of course, it all comes down to like your office. Are you good at closing the deal? Because if you can only quote close thirty percent of the patients that come in, yeah, to to get to the fifteen hundred, well, you're gonna have to spend a lot more money, invest a lot more money because you're not really good at or whatever. Once they're in the office, they're not closing very well. They're not right. committing to care and all that kind of stuff. Whatever word you want to use that doesn't sound icky. <laughs> but that yeah, and that's the reason why I say look at the data because you can. It's a, it's a the marketing process is very linear. So you can look at it from like, you know, the end goal is the collection of funds, right? The beginning goal is that this person doesn't know I exist in B, or not the beginning goal, but the beginning of the process. And so the, at the, somewhere in the middle is a timeline that has breaks in it. Figure out where that break is and go focus on that after it's up and running. And if you can get good at doing that quickly, 
you can patch it up and then and then watch that. You know, it's like having a hole in a hose. You know, yeah, exactly. you got low yeah. water pressure at the end. You know, figure out where the pinhole is. Just plug it up. You know, and so yeah, at some point we see okay, the leads are there and the appointments are there and they're showing up for the appointment, but Doc's telling me he's not. They're not. You know, they're not signing up for his for his treatment protocol. Why not? What's going on? Let's take a look at this. And so we'll dig in deeper. And we actually get involved at this level. You know, we actually train doctor staff because usually what they have in the office is not trained professional selling. They get, it's the same person who's fielding phone calls and scheduling appointments that's doing the selling. And so, you know, we have to, we have to take that into account that um, if they can't close the deal, it's not our fault. And most marketing agencies will just, you know, they'll, they'll say that. That's, so I can't do that for you. We do that because um, we realize that if you're closing the deals, um, then you're going to keep us around longer. But if, whether it's our fault or not doesn't really matter. If you're not closing the deals, the marketing agency that you're paying thousands of dollars to isn't, isn't delivering the results. Yeah, we're not going to be happy. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and they might flat out tell us, hey, we know it's not you, it's us, but we, we're, not, we're not set up. You guys are giving us the lead. And I've seen this before. I've experienced this. You guys are giving us the patience, and I wish we had some system in place, but we don't even have a good CRM set up, and we need to start. They're coming in and they're coming out. <laughs> yeah, and so they're, they're, you know, they're sad about the fact that they, you know, they have, we have to part ways. But, um, but we don't, you know, we will only accept that if they've made up their mind completely. But if they're open to us coming in and setting up that CRM and training their staff and helping them close the deals and writing phone scripts, which we've done before too, it really depends on what they want to invest. But if you're aggressive and you, you want to open 10 locations over the course of the next two years, then, um, we need to figure out where the break is in your system. You can't just be guessing and running ads on Facebook and hoping that something's going to, you know, get you a couple leads here and there and convert to a sale. Yeah, because like a dental implant's ten thousand. I mean, if your staff's not capable of convincing someone that, yeah, you know, we could pull the tooth, or you know, we could replace it with a ten thousand dollar tooth. I mean, that's a you know, you, you don't, you can't just walk into that and not really be prepared at all. And you know that's what? Hard. We live in a day and age where the digital technology, the sales page, the landing page oftentimes, more often than not, I'll tell you, is doing a better job at closing the deal than, than the human is. It's, it, in a way, it's kind of unfortunate, but um, in, a, in, a, in another way, um, doctors really need to get on board with that reality. Um, we've, we've sent entire sales teams uh, home because they weren't needed anymore, you know, and it's not like, you know, we, we don't want to put people out of jobs, but as a business owner, you have an obligation to be profitable. You know, um, you pre-sell someone before they come in. That makes my job. That all I got to do is be likable and yeah. just pretty much present the same thing. They're like, "Yeah, I was already convinced. That's why I came in here." Because well, that's the that's the key to good marketing. Good marketing is not answering questions and educate them, walking through the process. Good marketing is all that's done beforehand in an automated automated sort of way. Um, they already know that they want what you have. Um, your job as a, if you want to call it sales, is, is doing exactly what you said. Just convincing them that you're the guy that they should do it with instead of somebody else. That's it. And if they like you and they trust you and they think that you have their best interest in mind, um, there's really, at that point, there's really no reason why they should you know, um, stay with you for as long as they need to. Assuming you have clients in, in the different professions of doctors, everybody talks about these downloads, 
Some doctors are like, look, I'm a doctor. I hate writing reports. I'm definitely not going to be writing three ways to stop your headaches before they start. I just, that's not my bag. Can they just go to Fiverr and do it? Does your company provide something that's actually worked in the past? Like this is set up. It gives them information. There's also on the half second page is a nice leads into a nice sales pitch should close the deal, they should call you. Do you provide that type of stuff so that we don't have to? No, I kind of liken it onto medication. And I think this is a good way for a lot of docs to relate to it. Medications um, make you feel better because it suppresses the symptoms. So if I have a headache and I take an Advil, I'm not going to feel the headache. you know. But if the headache was caused by uh, excessive stress or poor diet or lack of sleep or something along those lines, then I really want to solve the headache issue. I need to really think about why I keep getting these headaches uh, as opposed to just getting addicted to Advil. And, and the same is true in the marketing world. People want a, they want to put a Band-Aid over the problem. They want a quick fix. They want a one-size-fits-all solution. Um, they, they just want to take a pill and have it better. I don't believe in that process. I think that if there's a download to be had, it's, it should be had because our initial strategy determined that that's going to be most effective for your target market audience based on where you are, who you're approaching, what your offer is, and what your end game is, you know, and what your end, you know, either revenue goal is or scale goal and all those things. So, so a lead magnet, free download sort of thing can work and does work in certain instances, but not every instance. So without, without seeing the patient, you can't prescribe the medication or the treatment protocol in the same way I have to sit down with my client and determine, okay, let's, let's talk about your problem. Tell me what your symptoms are, and then let's come up with a viable uh, treatment plan for your particular process. That's actually a good point because especially for something like headaches or the way you approach a dental implant could be completely different than the next guy. Or at least you think you're trying to sell yourself and position yourself that there's 50 chiropractors here. I'm different. And this is yes. how I'm different. We all treat yeah. headaches, but I'm different. I'm better. How do I do that? So yeah. So I mean, to- could, at the very at a basic level, we can say half price chiropractic adjustment. Is that going to work or not work? And many marketers will tell you it works. But what does working mean? It means that you're, you're paying this much money, you're getting this many appointments, you're making extra money. Um, our focus is in growth, long-term, sustainable. I want to build my business and my brand. So for us, we don't like to run those ads. We, we like to get to the, the, the deeper heart of the matter. What makes you tick? What drives you as a practitioner? Why did you choose this profession in the first place? What is it that you specialize in? What is it that sets you apart, makes you different from the other 50 guys that are in the neighborhood? Let's focus on that and let's Build you as the forefront authority in the space so that you could dominate that local market and then grow your business. I, had, I wanted to switch gears a little bit. You made a comment very, very early on. Started a business at 15 and at 12. Mm-hmm. What kind of parents did you have that were so encouraging or, <laughs> or that were willing to say, hey, buddy, you know, Shane, I think uh, you, you could do it. You're yeah, <laughs> go get them, Tiger. Go, go on and be an entrepreneur at such a young age. Like oh, what? Man. Nobody's ever asked me that before, and it's 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 a really hilarious question to me because it was the reality is quite the opposite. They they, they weren't supportive. They were absentee. Oh. and that is what 
you know, what really is. So they, they didn't really know that I was making money. I was out detailing all the neighbors' cars and putting hundreds of dollars in my pocket at 12 years old and taking it to the arcade and blowing it all on Pac-Man. Oh, man. So it wasn't really support, you know, I mean, it was just, and I loved that idea. It was very liberating and I was hooked. I mean, I really, I became a business addict. I mean, for lack of a better term. So when people say serial entrepreneur, they don't really know what they're talking about until they talk to a guy who has a problem. (laughs) Well, it's better than drugs or the alternative. It is, it is. Um, But, you know, I'd say my first introduction to business really came a year before that. I was 11 years old and I got a summer job at a restaurant. Um, My father was the consultant on in a restaurant job. It was an Italian restaurant in Pennsylvania. And I was bussing tables, wiping tables, emptying trash. And I loved it. I mean, I just I was breaking my back, working hard, but I was making my own money and more. And I just it was just the coolest thing for me. I felt really grown up and I was also learning to cook at the same time, which I was really exciting to me. I couldn't cook for the guests because of labor laws, but I was allowed to cook whatever I wanted for lunch for myself. Oh, nice. And um, so I, I had this goal. I set this goal up for myself that I was going to learn how to cook everything on the menu, starting at the top and working my all the way all the way through the menu. And so I would ask the cooks to teach me, starting with the first appetizer all the way down to the last dessert. And they did. They took the time to, to – and by the end of the summer, I knew how to cook everything on the menu. And I'd say a cu- by a couple of years later, I was an, uh, a pretty accomplished cook, at least for my age. And then I got another restaurant job uh, in between the auto detailing business I started at 12 and my next retail venture at 15. Um, a year later, I got a job at another restaurant washing dishes. And I would still sneak away every chance I could get to go get a, like a free cooking lesson from one of the cooks there. And um, it's a seafood restaurant. And so that was my view. Are you still there? Not sure what happened there. But anyway, um, so at the same time, I was building businesses and I was accidentally getting good at cooking. And so simultaneously, two things happened. I got good at business. Um, I got good at marketing at a necessity and one and I got good at cooking um, and I got promoted in a kitchen that I was working. See, I had this early belief that I, working in restaurants would be advantageous to me because I like to start so many businesses. And there was always that period of time before they became profitable in the beginning. And I knew that I needed a steady paycheck. If I learned how to cook, I would always be employable no matter where in the country I was or even in the world. And that held true for me as a plan B uh, to support myself when launching a business on many occasions. So it was a really good strategy for me right from the start. I was, um, I'd always get a part-time job in the evening while I was starting a new business. And then when the business became profitable, I would leave the restaurant and I would go work full-time in the business and then eventually sell it. Or, uh, or if I, if I didn't like it and it wasn't highly profitable, I would just, you know, dissolve it and then move on to the next thing. But yeah, but, but accidentally I got good at that. And then I got promoted to chef over time. And I thought, wow, I never really planned on that. That just kind of just, it just happened. Um, and then I ended up with mar- a marketing agency, something also that was never really part of the plan. Um, it was just, it just made sense to do. So, um, so I juggled those two things for many years. Do you happen to be a parent at all? I, I am. Yeah. I have a, a seven year old daughter. Okay. When you're looking at what your, your journey and I'm sure as a business, you know, serial entrepreneur, even for myself, I want my kid or to be able to say, 
I started a job at 15 or my dad encouraged me to start making money at an early age, to learn marketing at an early age. So even if they skip college, they're like, yeah, I didn't need to go to college because I learned all this stuff through high school. So when I got out of high school, I was already at an agency. I was able to get clients. I was already making more money than my dad did 10 years out of school. You know, one of those types of things. But kids are kids. And I think you're like one of those little kids that are like special, you know, you know, the, the, the Steve Jobs out there, they're probably like figuring this stuff out whenever they're, we were playing mm-hmm. video games and, and just trying to study for history class. Is there a way that you've seen or maybe could see encouraging that to where the kids want to learn these types of things so that they can be set up later instead of figuring it out after they're out of your house? Oh, um, it's a good question. And I don't know if I have the right answer for that because I have um, my child happens to be a lot like me. She she's already begun uh, starting uh, three different businesses um, at seven. And I think when if most people were to say that, they would think that, oh, it's a cute little side thing. Um, She has fantastic ideas. They're viable business concepts. Uh, We're going to get them off the ground, get them profitable for her. One of them is a, um, you know, living in Florida, she's recognized that there is a lot of um, honey purveyors. There's bee farms and, and people in our local area that, you know, that, that make honey and then uh, they package it and sell it at the local stores and farmers markets and that sorts of thing. So she wants to take local Florida honey and make it accessible nationwide through an e-commerce, e-commerce platform. Um, so is, there's, there's, there's certainly no problem. Uh, there's no holes in that business model right from the very beginning. It's a no-brainer. All we have to do is market it properly. Um, that led to a it's it's and then it became a honey of the month club and where you pay a monthly subscription fee and, and you get a different type of Florida honey uh, delivered to you every month and so these are the kind of things that she's come up with on her own so she is a business prodigy by by all means she asks me about my business all the time how's the leads doing daddy uh, what's your conversions <laughs> like right. Um, <laughs> I just showed her a platform. I don't know if you've ever looked at Funnelytics before, but it allows you to map out your sales funnel on the screen. It's a free application. Really cool. And uh, I just showed it to her for the first time. She's loving this idea that she can build sales funnels uh, by dragging these icons around. And she's like, how did you get that opt-in icon? You know, And I'm like, it's, oh it's part gosh. of the program. And she's like, wow, this is amazing. So the things that impress her is really Bizarre, but she also loves to play. She loves to color. She loves to, you know, she does kid things too. Um, for me, my particular style of, I guess, parenting and teaching, um, because we we homeschool our daughter as well. So I mean, for us, it's kind of natural to let her gravitate towards the things she takes a, a natural uh, inclination to wanting to learn, and then give and empower her to be able to to do that to the best of her ability. So. She's expressed um, interest in learning uh, computer programming. So uh, I'm teaching her a- how to code in HTML, and she loves, she loves it. She's expressed an interest in robotics. I, when I was a kid, I had an interest in robotics, and, and robotics have come a long way since the 80s. Yeah, good luck. So we built two robots together, um, and, she, and we had a great time, and, and she, she loves playing with the robot that she built with her own two hands. So had she not expressed interest in robotics, 
it would have never happened. I wouldn't have done it. It would have been forcing her to learn something that she wasn't passionate about to begin with. So I just really allow her to explore the passions that are there naturally. Um, and I think she's going to, all kids are going to gravitate towards what they know. They're going to be at least partially a product of their environment. Um, if you give them the environment where they can thrive, and this is why a lot of doctors have kids that want to grow up to be doctors. You know, it's like, so they know. you grew up with that, right? So it's, it's natural. So if you're an entrepreneurial doctor, you know, and somebody who takes an interest in business yourself, then it's a good possibility they will ask questions. Um, and that's key. You know, that's key. If somebody asks questions, they have an interest. If a client of ours asks questions, then they probably have an interest in possibly moving forward and working with us. Um, if a patient asks questions of you, then chances are they're, they're really interested in the protocol that you just, you know, laid out for them. And, and chances are they, they might commit to that monthly or, you know, weekly visit or whatever the case is um, or the procedure or whatnot. Um, so I, I look for those in business. We call them buying signs at home. It's not much different. You see somebody asking a question, I see an interest, and I say, well, you know what? Let's go on YouTube. Let's see if we can find a couple of videos, and let's explore that interest a little bit. If they're still interested, give them a book. You know, give them – just empower them with the things that they naturally gravitate towards, and don't try to force your agenda on the child. That's my particular brand of parenting. That kind of makes sense because if the kid's like, well, Dad, where are you going? Oh, i got to go talk to the computer for a while. They don't know what a podcast is. They don't really know what an interview is at that point. But they know dad talks in front of the computer for a while and he comes yeah. out and he talks about what happened. I try to explain everything that. to her. You know, she and so she wants to she wants to publish a cookbook. She wants to do a podcast. She wants to she asked me if she could do her own webinar. Um, I told her, <laughs> sure, you could do whatever you want and whatever yeah. you decide to do, I'll help you with. Um, she wanted to make her own um, cinematic animation. So I taught her, because this was an early interest of mine, um, I had an opportunity to work with uh, Walt Disney Feature Animation once a long time ago. I, uh, when I was at that crossroads, um, I decided to pursue a career in audio engineering as opposed to a career in animation, which later proved to be a good decision because two years later, they closed the animation studio down, put hundreds of people out of work. And that was all thanks to Pixar's Toy Story because uh, Disney got nervous and thought that everybody, nobody would be interested in traditional two-dimensional animation anymore. They would only watch three-dimensional movies, which was absurd because that's not true. But it would take them a good 15 years to come around to realizing that that wasn't true. But I digress. Um, I, I know how to animate. And so when she expressed that to me, I felt an old passion remerge. And I said, sure. So we created a little stop-motion uh, animation movie where – her and my wife and myself did the voiceover work and I taught her the lighting and the frame rates and in doing so I'm teaching her math and she's learned uh, all kinds of things and uploaded it to YouTube and she said, I want to make another one. And I said, okay, now I'm going to teach you how to write a script and we're going to now move into a storyboard. I'm going to show you how to write a storyboard. So now she's learning how to draw. So I go out and I get her uh, artist pencils and artist pens and, you know, and so now her little kid crayon, you know, art kit turns into a semi pro art kit. The kind that I used to use when I was learning how to, to animate and getting, you know, job offers like at, at Disney. And so I'm watching her grow and develop based on the resources that I make available through her interests. But it always starts with her interest. And then I, I, I you know, it's my job to recognize the interest and then, and which is not un, uh, unlike marketing in a lot of ways, you know, and then, and then take her down that, that journey, through that journey, you know. 
Wow. Your kid sounds like whenever she gets to be around 18, looking at potential colleges, if that's the way she goes. She's like, I'm good at math. I'm good at science. I'm yeah. good at computers. All fields that are sort of uh, male-dominated. I mean, that's a really cool thing to think about, even if she wanted to go that route. I'm just saying, like, that's, I guess, I'm hoping, you- yeah, I'm hoping by that time she has the ability to to have something in place where she doesn't need the education, but it would only be taken if it was, re- you know, if she desired it, you know, if she wanted to learn. Gotta have that paper or something. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, yeah or yeah, uh, maybe a personal accomplishment, or I just really would love to learn how to fly a plane, so I'm going to go to flight school, you know, and maybe not, co- but I don't necessarily want to become an airline pilot, you know, and it's, and it's, <laughs> How cool would education be if it was only for personal enrichment as opposed to a requirement uh, to go into debt to be able to do what we what we want to do? And, and so I hope she has the opportunity to explore. Obviously, if it requires a license, you know, she wants to become a doctor. She's going to, you know, you got no way around that. But uh, but otherwise, financially, I don't want her to have to be dependent upon an education, um, but rather, you know, uh, make that uh, part of her freedom of choice. But my goal and my parenting goal is to equip her to be able to handle the world, you know, not um, nothing else. My goal is to get rid of her, you know, is to empower, you know, really, I mean, by the time she leaves, I want her to be ready. You know, and that's my only goal is to make sure that I did everything within my power to make sure you were as equipped as you possibly could be in order to tackle the world. You know, and if I did that, then I can exit this world knowing that I I accomplished something. Agreed. Hey, before I let you go, I love to ask this question. Favorite books, blogs, podcasts, anything like that that you secretly love and something that you would recommend for everybody to check out? Oh, I wish I could. Um, I don't read, though. I used to, in my early days of entrepreneurship, I devoured everything. I told you my library story when I wanted to learn marketing, and that was where I built the basis of what eventually would become what I think is a, a, an innovation mindset. And I believe that if I consume the ideas of other people, I will begin to adopt their, uh, their way of thinking. And I believe that it impedes my creative process and my ability to stay ahead of the curve instead of one step behind. So whatever people are touting as the new way is usually something that I was doing five to ten years ago. And I like that trend and I like to keep that um, continuing on. And so um, one of the things that I uh, – beliefs that I adopted um, several years back was that the amount of time that I would spend reading a book could be spent um, – the same amount of time could be invested in writing a book. And I thought since I wanted to write a book, I would – I would I would put that to test. And as it turned out, I ended up being requested to ghostwrite a book and then another book and another book in where I would remain an anonymous author on the project and, you know, be paid royalties on the back end. So I started having those conversations with people who were interested in being published authors. But in doing so, it led to figuring out how to actually sell the book. So we started creating marketing methods to 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 sell books. And so now this is how I think. It's the same way as like if I sit down to watch a movie, I think to myself, I like watching movies, but the same amount of time that I invest in watching a movie, I could write a script for a movie. And I don't know if this is the best use of my time. So um, I think I've become 
so driven by productivity and efficiency over time that it that that when I invest it into reading something, it's going to be reading a book with my daughter or it's watching a movie with my wife. And it's and it's more in building relationships than it is for my own personal use or enrichment or entertainment. And um, and so for that reason, I the most popular books on the market today, I have not read yet. Um, and I probably won't. Uh, and, and on purpose, intentionally. Right, it's a good answer. Um, those free plus shipping books that everybody has on their shelf, I don't own, and I don't intend to read. And they go, "Oh yeah, I've I've read that in such and such book." And I say, "I'll take your word for it." Um, but I can tell you with certainty that I've been doing this this way for the last twelve years. I didn't get it from a book. These are these are my strategies, and a lot of times, many of them were shared with with people who I know have included them in their in their book. And you'll see this in Facebook groups all the time, where people say, "Hey, fill out this survey. Tell us, you know, what's your top." A reason for this or you know and they're compiling information to put into you know in free lead magnets or their sales page yeah I, I did that <laughs> yeah so i mean with yeah. that said I, I i know that you know when i have masterminds with a group of 10 hot shots who i know have big ad budgets and i get and they go that's a great idea. I never thought about that. And then I see an advertisement display that I'm going to teach you the top three things that Shane just told me on a Skype call. Um, I go, all right, that's, that's cool. Because, you know, I, I knew, I knew what I was getting into when I, when I agreed to do that. And I'm okay with that. And I'm not saying that all the great ideas were once mine, but I can tell you that a lot of them were. (laughs) A lot of these books, they're just regurgitated. Like they are, I won't say the names, but there's several books that I've been reading recently. And I'm like, I've, okay, and then these two people, actually, I've read this or heard about this from before, so you, you just kind of like repackage it, put your little spin on it for your program, and, but you got to start, you know, you got to start somewhere. That's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's not a bad but thing. But you it started somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and I started somewhere, and I read books that weren't as good as the books that are available today, because at least the books today are relevant. I was reading stuff that was, you know, but even what's relevant today is going to be outdated in five years anyway. So, I mean, you got to take it with yeah. great salt. You know, I mean, I don't know if I could have is, had this conversation with you if I didn't know the basics. Could yeah, you explain yeah, to me what a like, sales funnel is and a lead magnet? No, we're, yeah, exactly. we're beyond what is a lead magnet on this conversation, hopefully. Right, right, right. So, I mean, and you get that for you get that source knowledge from books, but marketing is a beast in the way that like it changes so rapidly, the algorithms change so quickly, um, that the platforms and the ad spend and the terms of service, if you're not eating, breathing, and sleeping it on a daily basis, you can really easily be left behind. If you're reading a book that was written a year ago, you're probably not getting the most up-to-date strategies available because we've already moved on. You know, I know what people are teaching on how to write a book and market a book in in record time. And I could tell you that we've we've developed a method that's just it's 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 way surpasses anything that I know that is out there today. And um and we 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 don't teach a course. You know, we uh, we reserve that for our clients who come to us and say, you know, what do you guys got? And we say we got this. And they go, wow. Yeah. You know, I I just spent fifteen hundred dollars to get that. And I go, yeah, that was that's two years old. You know, I mean, this is the way it's done now. So yeah, you have to move quick. And that's why I say when it comes to to doctors, the same is true in healthcare. Is that it's all, it's also evolving. It's changing. You know, um, 
it's deregulating. It's um, it's 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 becoming. You know, doctors are doing online visits now. They're abandoning the net the networks now, and it's 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 being. It's being so a marketing strategy is important, I think, for the healthcare in a way that it wasn't 10 years ago. But at the same time, it's like if you really want to do it right, consider consulting with those that that, you know, have not a plug and play system, but uh, are capable of creating one that's custom for you so that you can not just make a couple of extra dollars, but, you know, but grow and scale your business. And um and that's that's what I hope to be able to contribute in the in the marketing and business strategy space. Mr. Shane, how can people get a hold of you? Getting a hold of me, um, I would say go. I'm in. I'm on Facebook and a lot of the groups a lot of the time. So I mean, that's the easiest way, really. I mean, that's just if you want to personally get in touch with me, um, you know, look for me, Shane Frisco, on Facebook. If you're specifically interested in marketing, you want to talk to a, uh, a salesperson or you know my, a member of my team, you're going to get to me that way of, anyway. Socioloco.com. That's S O S H O L O C O. It's two words. Socioloco.com, um, which is a play on social local um, and the word loco because we're crazy about marketing and. Um, <laughs> That is uh, socialloco.com is where we where we market for local businesses, especially uh, those pertaining to healthcare. So that's not a space that we're that we're strangers to when it comes to uh, not just reaching out to the people who aren't aware of your practice, uh, but the people who have already been through your front door and you haven't seen in a while. We need to get them back through the door. Additionally, we need to get referrals from those people. And the most neglected aspect of you know what we started with, with, with in terms of email marketing, which is a great way to do this, is the B2B opportunities that exist in the healthcare profession, right, is reaching out and establishing those relationships with the vertical markets that could be a good ongoing source of referrals for you and your practice. So we focus on all those things in our email marketing campaigns, as well as our advertising, sales funnels, and all of those happy things. But it starts with a strategy, and it starts with reaching out um, to uh, – and also shanefrisco.com can, can get you there too, but um, you know, in a very generic sort of way. It's one of our newer websites just because people were searching for me, and they were finding a lot of old chef-related stuff, but not things that re- – to marketing. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn and fairly active lately. Um, but yeah, Facebook groups, all the marketing groups, I'm in there as well. And, and I'm, and I'm well known in those groups too. You know, you can, you can talk to those people who are, who are, uh, prominent in those groups and they'll usually be able to, uh, to vouch for, for me and my team and my, and our credibility. Fantastic. Thank you so much for bringing all this, uh, Great knowledge today. I, the interview definitely went a different direction than I was expecting, but I'm really happy with it. So I really appreciate your time. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the invitation, Doctor. And um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Did you know I am offering a Cupping 101 online class? You know, I've been in China for a while. I've got a class set up with some TCM docs who do cupping. We'll show you the glass kind and the suction kind. You can find more information at a doctorsperspective.net slash cupping. Right now we have a pre-sale price, so you're going to save a good chunk of cash by signing up early. Just put your email. You'll get notified when the class goes live. 
Also, as always, the No Needle Acupuncture book. You can get four chapters, anxiety, low back, insomnia, and headaches. It's got pictures, how to find the points, and of course, all with no needles. Just go to doctorsperspective.net slash NA protocol, as in needleless acupuncture. We had great results the other day from a lady who uh, couldn't do a lunge because her knee pain. Now, knee pain is not an issue. So excited to hear that. Also, the first book, Today's Choices, Tomorrow's Health. A lot of people are looking for a magic bullet. This ain't it. This is saying, hey, look, if you can do small things daily, you'll see results. And I'll, I'll give you the blueprints that I use to create an exercise routine, cardio routine, get my nutrition in order, and actually get your finances in order too because that's a big stress in life. And, of course, it talks a little bit about chiropractic. So um, I hope you check that out. On the uh, website, under the resources tab, uh, these are my affiliate links that helps out support the show. Uh, Blueberry Hosting, uh, Set for Set, they've got the power bands, and, uh, and they're really, really resistant, really good to stretch those joints. Mentor Box, you can get subscription to watch the author talk about the book so that you don't have to spend the time reading it. Uh, it also comes with workbooks and things like that. It's really quite cool. Primal Health and Nutrition, you can save 10% by going through my link and using the code PRIMALDOC. Uh, it's bone broth. Adheres to the autoimmune protocols and a specific carbohydrate diet. Gluten-free, non-GMO, no sugar, dairy-free, all those types of cool things. As well as ClickFunnels, if you f sign up through that or pick up a book from him through my links, it helps out a little bit. And then, of course, everybody's favorite, Amazon. You can sign up for different things like Prime, Fresh, or Music through our links and of course any of the show notes when you have books mentioned uh, if you follow the link through my site that'll help out as well well that is it go on ahead and leave us a five-star review thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week we just went hashtag behind the curtain and this episode has come to an end i hope you got the right dose for your optimal life please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on a doctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.